Today's podcast is brought to you by Surface Tech. Tired of failing asphalt pavements? Asphalt solutions from Surface Tech can supercharge your mix with high-strength paraaramid fibers that make pavements stronger and last longer. Go to surfacetech.com for more information. This is Pave It Black. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pave It Black, the official podcast of the National Asphalt Pavement Association. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. And to the asphalt industry, having someone manage environmental affairs is probably just a part of doing business for most companies. But to the outside, most people probably would not think the industry works as hard as it does to ensure that our plants and job sites protect the environment. For many companies, having someone in environmental compliance is just one of the ways that they ensure that they're being good neighbors for the communities that they're serving. As we talk today, I really want people to see how important this job is and get a better understanding how it can be important for the industry. I also want to know more about how this job or this position really integrates with other parts of the business. So to help us with this discussion today, we've asked Bob Bikey, the Manager of Environmental Affairs for Milestone Contractors, to be with us. Welcome to the podcast, Bob. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Brett. As we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and Milestone? Sure. I'm originally from Indiana and still live in here in Indiana. Been with Heritage Group for 31 years now. Started out in the environmental consulting group, actually, with the Heritage and Environmental Services. About 21 years ago, I transferred over to Milestone Contractors, which is a sister company of Heritage Environmental, and been doing the environmental compliance now for 21 years here at Milestone. Milestone is a company within the Heritage Group. Uh, it is consists of approximately 21 hot mix asphalt plants. We've just recently got also into the concrete side of things. So we deal with air permits, stormwater permits, EPCRA reporting, and all of those types of things within the environmental arena. So I think to start off, it would be interesting in how you got into the industry. You obviously have been working in the industry a long time, obviously enjoy what you do. I'd be interested in how you got into the industry or why you chose this industry. Sure. My degrees are actually in geology. I got my bachelor's at Indiana University. I got my master's at the University of Akron. And I did my master's thesis on groundwater contamination at an airport from the de-icing process for travel in the wintertime. And as a result of that, I started out right out of school as an environmental consultant, uh, worked for a couple of different companies and ended up with Heritage Remediation Engineering. And mostly behind a drill rig, doing soil and groundwater sampling and analysis and working on remediation projects from the soil and groundwater arena. In about 1990, we had new regulations coming out in the environmental arena called stormwater regulations. And we were all asked if anybody wanted to tackle that animal. And unfortunately, I was, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, I was the only one that raised my hand. So from that point, I actually started getting more and more involved in compliance issues rather than soil and groundwater issues. And eventually it led to 10 years later, I transferred over to 
milestone and where 80% of my job is air compliance issues. So that's kind of the background and how I got into it. It was just kind of a natural progression from an interest in geology growing up, getting my degrees in geology, starting out with soil and groundwater, and moving on into the rest of the environmental arena. So you mentioned that about 80% of your job is air permitting and air quality. What do you typically do on kind of a day-to-day basis? What other things do you maybe have to manage or what does air permitting even require? Well, unfortunately, every state is a little different. We also have operations in Illinois and the Illinois air permitting process is very different than Indiana's. Each state typically has authorization for their air permitting program. But in Indiana, where most of my work occurs, it involves maintaining the air permits, which have a term limit. A few years back, they were made into 10-year permits, which helped. But also in Indiana, every time we add a cold feed bin or a liquid asphalt tank, we have to notify the state agency and get our permit amended. So there's constant, every time we make a technological change or an equipment change at a plant, it involves the air permit. The air permit also requires tracking tonnage produced, fuel usage. We are required to do stack tests on a five-year basis where we monitor the emissions coming out of this bag house. And then that has limits as well. So we are required to make sure we stay in compliance with all of the terms and conditions of the permit. I created just a simple Excel spreadsheet that our plant operators fill out. We have it online. So I can monitor it from the office and I keep track and make sure that we are doing the daily requirements of the permit at each of our plants. So I'm curious, maybe a little more on what you like about the job or the pieces of the job that really bring satisfaction to you or make the job meaningful to you. Maybe how you see yourself impacting the business or being a part of the team. I guess that's the piece I'm curious about. As far as what do I like about the job? I think it's really twofold. It's a position that allows me to work in the office, oftentimes when the weather is bad, but yet get out into the field and travel to our plants, visit them, visit our plant operators, make sure that we have the equipment that we need, make sure the paperwork's being done, just converse, make sure we have spill absorbance and stuff that is required. It allows me to get out when the weather's nice, but I can also work inside when the weather's bad. So I get that benefit of both. I have some travel, rarely overnight though. So I'm usually home each evening. So it's just kind of, to my mind, the best of both worlds where I'm not stuck behind a desk all day, but I'm also not outside when it's lightning and thundering and pouring down rain, hurricane conditions, et cetera. So it's nice having that balance. What was the second part of that question? I was just curious if you could share a little bit about what brings satisfaction or what makes the job meaningful to you. Well, I can answer that in almost an inverse. What doesn't bring me satisfaction is oftentimes dealing with the regulatory agencies and especially inspectors. And I don't necessarily want to go too negative here, but oftentimes they're right out of school and don't have a lot of practical experience or They have one take on what the regulations mean or what the permit language means, and it's the educating of the inspectors, bringing them up to speed and 
I've got many examples, as I'm sure many of the other environmental compliance officers do, where an inspector says, why aren't you complying with this? You've got a violation. And it takes a while to educate them to say, look, that regulation doesn't apply to us. We aren't required because of the production system, because uh, we don't have, for example, we don't have a boiler on site. We don't have industrial wastewater. Those regulations don't apply. And that's probably the most frustrating part. The most satisfying part is just being able to help the industry itself in maintaining compliance and helping the company as far as the profitability, if you will. And a lot of times people think of the environmental as a cost center. While it's not going to be a profit center, you do have a major impact in the financial stability of the company. I like to tell the story that my environmental approach, think of somebody walking down the street. There are companies out there where you are walking with one foot on the sidewalk and one foot in the street. You're living that dangerous life there. And that can get your company in a lot of trouble with regulations and compliance and violations. There's the other extreme where you're so afraid and you're spending, you're wasting money almost, and you're walking in the grass, not even on the sidewalk. You're walking in the grass and you're costing your company money by doing things to an excess and beyond what the requirements are for the regulations. I like to try to walk that middle of the sidewalk path where we balance the two. And oftentimes it's identifying here's the regulation. It's a new regulation, for example, or regulation's been changed. Here's three options for us to proceed. And then allowing the management and business decisions to make that final decision as to how to proceed forward. So there's just a lot of interpretation as a person who enjoys getting into the nuts and bolts and the details. It's providing those options, I think, is the most satisfying. Richard asked you about a typical day. I'm curious if maybe a not so typical day that was memorable that you could share with us. Well, I can give you a frustrating day. (laughs) We had a stack test scheduled at one of our furthest plant sites. This is quite a few years ago. And I got up at like 4 a.m. to be at the site by 6.30 And just as I get there, the plant operators told me, oh, well, they canceled that test last night. (laughs) So just the frustration. I mean, to me, the most typical frustrations I have are communication issues, lack of communication or dealing with an inspector who just isn't able to communicate or identify or thinks you are subject to something that you're really not. And that frustration of having to educate the inspectors. A few years back, and this is actually one of the good things, it's not frustrating. I got so frustrated with the permit writers and the section of permit writers that we deal with had eight people in them. I invited them out to one of our asphalt plants and actually walked them through and let them see every aspect of the process because we were wanting to add, for example, a cold feed bin. And they are saying, well, that's going to increase your production. It's like, no, there's still a bottleneck in the drum. And they just did not understand that. And so they all came out there. We showed them from our wrap 
processing to fractionated wrap down to the feed bins, to the drum, to the burner, to the silos, to the loadout. We showed them everything. And I think it helped a lot where they had a little bit better understanding of what they were trying to even write the permit for. So that was actually a good thing as opposed to a frustrating day. But I kind of went in two different directions there for you in your answer. So if we have listeners that don't know what a stack test is, what's a stack test? (laughs) It's a process where you test the emissions that are coming out of the stack from your bag house, where we hire somebody, we don't do it internal. We hire somebody, they set up the equipment. We're doing one hour runs where they are collecting air as it's coming out of the bag house at multiple locations throughout the stack over that course of the hour. And what they're looking for is how many emissions, you know, what's the particulate that's coming out of there and making sure the bag house is working and that we are in compliance with the amount of, if you will, dust that's allowed to be emitted from our stack. And now a word from our sponsor. Tired of ruts, cracks, and pavements that fail too soon? Ready to try something new? Surface Tech's breakthrough high-strength para-aramid fibers can supercharge your pavements. This proven fiber reinforcing technology is light years ahead of your granddad's asphalt mix, and Surface Tech has developed a range of asphalt solutions to fit your needs. Their ACE XP and AQU polymer fiber products add exceptional toughness and tensile strength to pavements. Looking to cover concrete? Try Army, an incredible durable asphalt interlayer. Army replaces third-party fabrics and grids, saving time and money on an easier install. And if you want to increase the use of wrap in your mix, Rearm HR is the highest performing mix on the market. And get this, Surface Tech's products require no changes to your existing mix. For more information on proven field-validated asphalt solutions, visit surfacetech.com. Regulations can ebb and flow with administrations and leadership. As you're looking and trying to prepare your milestone for the next few years, what are some of the things that you're thinking about that may be new or maybe you haven't necessarily had to prepare your company for anything like this before with potential either legislative changes or regulatory changes? The two big things that I see out of the current administration is a return to trying to over-protect the waters of the U.S. The whole waters of the U.S. rule is being revisited. Court cases were issued a few years ago under the Obama administration, and they actually threw the new regulations out. And I see a return to greater oversight on waters of the U.S., what is water of the U.S. And while that doesn't typically impact our hot mix plants, it does impact us in our construction as we take material off of roadways, the excess material, and put them into fill sites. What do you do with all of that excess dirt and concrete or whatever that cannot be recycled? Typically, you put it into old sand and gravel pits or something along those lines. And each state, once again, is a little different. In Indiana, that's not considered to be a solid waste. 
it's exempted from the solid waste rules, but we still have stormwater requirements. We still have the Waters of the U.S. rules and the Army Corps of Engineer from time to time and those things. I think that's one of the two big issues. And the other, and it was starting to be approached by some states, and now it's really hit the administration, and that's the environmental justice regulation. In some ways, it's a good thing, but they're wanting to protect the neighborhoods that are typically more downtrodden, poorer sections of town from the typical, if you will, contamination from industrial sites. And while that's a noble effort, it's how do we balance that protection with maintaining industrial capacity jobs in this country? And so it's going to be a delicate issue. One side moves typically too far to one side and the other side moves too far to the other side. I won't go into that. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about without naming names or anything else. So you touched on earlier that 80% of what you really focus on is air permitting. Can you maybe touch on some of the other areas where environmental compliance is part of what you're doing and what you're working on? Great question. The biggest issues are, uh, I mean, we have annual reporting that we have to do under EPCRA, the tier twos, especially under the Emergency Planning Community Right to Know Act. So we also have rules and regulations governing our oil petroleum storage. So SPCC requirements, which is spill prevention, control and countermeasures. And those plans have information in those as well that you need to comply with and inspections on a periodic basis. There's stormwater, industrial stormwater, Rule 6 in Indiana, Rule 6 requirements for industrial stormwater where we have sampling, we have inspections. I mean, there's a broad range of other topics, but air is by far the most time-consuming aspect of the job. I'd like to go in a little different direction with this next question. What's something that you've learned or that surprised you because your job has given you access to this information about the industry? For those outside of the industry, probably the biggest thing is the amount of technology that's involved in the manufacture of hot mix asphalt. When I tell people that depending on the year, we might make 300 to 600 different types of asphalt because it's got different binder content or different binder itself. It's not just one product. It's hundreds of products that are all based on, okay, what's the easel counts going to be on that road? What's the specifications of this? What's the traffic load? Was it base, intermediate, surface? There's just so many variables there. And because of that, you're not going to put a heavy truck road pavement in a parking lot at a grocery store. Just the amount of variability, and it's not just one product. And that's what kind of amazed me when I first transferred over from Heritage Environmental. So Napa is always looking for ways to help industry improve and grow. So I was curious if there was maybe something out there that's related to environmental compliance that always seems to be tripping us up. And maybe there's an easy solution that companies could implement and save the headaches and avoid those pitfalls. I think the biggest pitfall that most companies make is taking the approach that 
I am in compliance with my permit and the regulation at a minimum, and nothing else matters as far as the environmental. The biggest struggle I think we have as an industry is the perception and community relations, especially with the neighbors of our plant sites. And I think Napa, we've worked on it in the past. We've got community relations manuals out there that special reports, or I can't remember what the specific term is that you call them, but we've dealt with that in the past, but it's a continuing problem. It's a growing problem. Zoning is a big issue. And I think just helping companies identify ways that need to be more sensitive to the communities that they are in would be a big help. And I know that from our environmental committee that I chair, we are working on that. We've been working on it for a couple of years now, and I'm hoping that we are in the final stages of coming out with some some new guidance. Bob, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and be on the podcast. And we definitely wish you a milestone, the best in your luck as you're finishing up y'all's paving season. Great. Well, thank you. And I look forward to seeing everyone in Arizona. Hopefully we are meeting in person instead of through Zoom or Teams this year. So looking forward to seeing everyone out in Arizona. Yeah, thank you, Bob. So as we start to wrap up the podcast today, I think one of the big things I want people to realize is the opportunities that are available for kind of right-sizing your compliance operations. Bob talked about many times people think about environmental compliance and management as costs on the business, but there are opportunities for them to also save money as well. And I want to stress that it's not meeting the minimums of the requirements. It's making sure that you're doing more and you're preparing yourself for the future, but it is kind of right-sizing yourself so that you're you're walking down that sidewalk, as he mentioned, keeping your business safe, keeping the environment safe, and doing what's right for the community. Yeah, I think my takeaway from today was really when Bob touched on doing a plant tour with folks that work on permitting and some of those requirements and really allowing the agency to come out and see the process, understand how asphalt production facilities really work and the different components, and just that opportunity to really take agencies and partner and help and grow, I think the industry as an overall is an opportunity, and I think that was my takeaway for today. Thanks for listening to Pave It Black. Visit asphaltpavement.org slash podcast to find more episodes, suggest a topic or guest, become a sponsor, or learn more about NAPA. Pave It Black is produced and copyrighted by the National Asphalt Pavement Association. Music by Colleague. As always, thanks to the dedicated workforce connecting diverse communities all across America. Keep on paving it black. Tired of ruts, cracks, and pavements that fail too soon? Ready to try something new? Surface Tech's breakthrough high-strength para-aramid fibers can supercharge your pavements. This proven fiber-reinforcing technology is light years ahead of your granddad's asphalt mix. Cutting-edge aramid technology provides exceptional toughness and tensile strength with no change to the mix design. For proven field-validated asphalt solutions, visit surfacetech.com.